0: Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of the First Take Film Club Podcast. It's our second week back now after a long hiatus and we have never been more thrilled to bring you our first takes on some of the most exciting and talked about films of all time. And today is no exception. But first, let me introduce myself, Liam Jones, and my two esteemed co-hosts, Luke Chanley and Connor Norcott. Luke, I'll throw it to you first, mate. How are you? Yeah, really good, thanks. Yeah, good. Just filled myself up with a glass of chocolate milk and a yum yum. Have you ever had a yum yum? Toffee yum yum. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, they're just like straight donuts, aren't they? Yeah, they're really, they're um, amazing. The ones that uh, the ones that they do at Little are absolutely elite. They are ridiculous, but you can only they are so sweet and so rich that you could probably only have one. And that's saying something for me because I could. You know, I can eat a lot, but one and one and done for me with them with them yum yums.
1: Yeah, I had one and that's it, that's enough for me. But yeah, I'm good. <laughs> that set me up to talk sort about of the film today. So yeah, good, thanks, mate.
2: Lovely. Connor, how are you? I'm good. Before we before we started the pod, I was like, yeah, I just need to go to Lidl today, and that's kind of it. That's all my that's all on my agenda. And now I'm thinking, I know what I'm gonna buy when I get there. I'm feeling pretty <laughs> I feel like I've got a plan for once.
0: <laughs> You're gonna go and get all the yum yums.
2: All the yum-yums, all the, they do these little kind of vegetable flatbread things in, in the Little By Me and they are so good. They're like a little tiny little pizza, but with no cheese and just tomato and peppers. And oh man, I, I'm literally, that's all I'm thinking about now. I can't even remember what film we're doing.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, it's uh face off Connor. Um, yeah. And uh, thanks for asking. I am really good. Um, a little bit tired, two hours sleep, went straight to work this morning. Um, and then woke up this morning no i didn't wake up this morning see my head's all over the place i've not even <laughs> really been to sleep i went to bed when i got back and just put on one division i told uh i promised connor i wouldn't speak about it but obviously the the final episode came out today and me and luke have both watched it connor hasn't watched it i'm not going to go on about it it was really good i'm, I'm impressed let's move on that's mm-hmm. uh, you know a story for another day okay mm-hmm. I, you know, we we, we might we, we might you know do a little three, four, five, six, seven hour spoiler special, you know. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? The worst
2: part is, is that I'm I'm I kind of want to know what happens. I almost searched on Twitter and I thought, nah, they'll definitely bring it up on the pod, but I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's listening. So no,
0: I know I'm I don't want to. I don't even want to talk about it because I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Um, yeah, so that's me. That's me. Tired but great. Um, moving on. In case you have never listened to the podcast before, the premise is simple. We take a film that one, two or three of us have never seen before and chat lovingly or not so lovingly about said film. And this week we've got a 90s cult classic for you. It's Nick Cage versus John Travolta in Face Off. But before we get our faces stuck right in to this John Woo action flick, uh, we usually like to start with an opening question. And loosely connected to the film, I would like to know what is your favourite body swap flick slash body horror flick? Uh, Luke, I'll go to you first, mate.
1: Yeah, so I actually um, presumed that we'd actually have another question by the time we recorded, because I think um, I saw you send this to the WhatsApp group and just thought, "Mm, I'll think about that when the time comes. Um, But I'm going to actually go with the first thing that came to my head um when we're talking about body swap but it's not technically a body swap but it's in i think it's toy story three when um buzz becomes spanish buzz and that i suppose it's more of a voice swap than a body swap but um that's all i can think of in the niche body swap genre
0: at the time i do it really is it that. is niche it is hmm. niche isn't it connor do you, do you have a, do you have one
2: Oh, well, if there's these two niche for you, then wait to hear what I've got. Um, There is a Spanish filmmaker called Pedro, and I hope I'm pronouncing this second. I'm just going to say, he's called Pedro. Pedro Almodovar, Almodovar. And he made this film called The Skin I Live. And it's kind of about a surgeon who he loses his wife and undergoes this experimental surgery. He He kind of comes up with this idea to try and replicate human skin and with another test subject he almost tries to piece together his wife again and it does not go very well as you can imagine that film is awesome and i love that and it's not traditionally a body swap but i'm thinking outside the box here and i wanted to be the niche one as i always am on this podcast but i think i might have been outdone to be honest
0: (laughs) i'm just gonna go straight you know with a generic body swap film and it's a film i genuinely love um it's 17 again with uh, Zach Efron and he becomes the younger version of himself. His older self is Matthew Perry. Um, he was obviously Chandler from Friends and it's brilliant. It's, it is a brilliant film. I, it, you know, it is a film for like teens, obviously. But I, went to, I remember I went to go and see this film for my 12th birthday. I brought like <laughs> five or six of my pals with me. And I remember like, fully acknowledging that most of them did not fuck with the film at all. And they kind of hated me for even taking them to this film. <laughs> but I came out and absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I loved it so much. I've watched it a few times since. Um, but yeah, that's, I feel like I've given a generic answer.
2: Can I, let me just ask you a question. Who would you rather be? Would you rather be Matthew Perry or Zac Efron in their prime? Zac Efron, Oh, absolutely. Well, so we thought Zac Efron, and then I thought, Matthew Perry's got this kind of thing about could, could he be any more in, interesting, you know?
0: I think <laughs> at first it would be you'd you'd immediately go to Zach Efron because you know, look at the guy, he's ridiculous. Mm. But Matthew Perry, or well, I mean all the cast of friends at one point, you know, by like season eight were being paid a million pounds, million dollars per episode i could do with that you know (laughs) i i would like that he he, you know set for life you know you've got 20 40 60 plus episodes where you're being paid a mil per episode i take that and run so i've seen Mm. and i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure being chandler from friends has its perks yeah i'd say so i think it probably has more of its more more perks than being zach Efron. to be personally honest I don't know, maybe maybe not so much these days, but like yeah. 10, 20 years ago, they definitely did. I um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? Why not? Right, we'll actually move on now to the, the film that we're doing today, which is John Woo's Face Off. Um, Face Off, funnily enough, came out the year I me and Carnival were born, 1997. Um, <laughs> we
2: are, um... For audio listeners, Luke just shook his head. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs>
0: Yes, Luke was a grown 32 in 1997. (laughs) (laughs) Just get my first mortgage, that's a joke. He wasn't 32 in 1997, but um, yeah, me and Connor, born in 1997, you know, best year for the best John Woo film, in my opinion. (laughs) Um, What I'd like to do first is just give a little summary of the film before we kind of get on to Minor Luke's first takes and taking a bit of a deep dive into our thoughts, and the, uh, our thoughts and feelings. I can't speak today. Our thoughts and feelings about the film. Um, so it's quite a simple premise, really. You know, when you break it down to its bare bones, John Travolta and Nick Cage swap faces. Um, there's a terrorist plot. Uh, an FBI agent undergoes a facial transplant surgery to assume the identity of the criminal mastermind who murdered his only son but the criminal wakes up prematurely and seeks revenge it is a batshit premise and i absolutely love it um if if you're interested in this sort of thing uh the budget was 80 million and it grossed 245 million worldwide which is pretty good for a a, a batshit crazy action flick um I'm going to throw it to myself first. I would just like to give my first take. And for me, this film is probably the most fun I've had watching a film at home in a while. Obviously, we've we've not been able to go to the cinema for quite a long time. Funnily enough, actually, I went at Christmas to see Wonder Woman, which that's another story. That was, you know, it wasn't face-off, let's put it that way. (laughs) Um, I I, I just love this film. I think Nick Cage and John Travolta... I don't think you you could have cast a better duo to face off in face off. It's absolutely perfect casting and they both bring like everything and more. It's ridiculous. I think Nick Cage in particular for me personally is, he just goes above and beyond. I think he's got the the harder task because he has to slowly become like a different person. He has to learn how to act like a different person. Whereas John Travolta, when he becomes Nicolas Cage, I feel like it's easier to say the actors' names, by the way, than the characters, because I feel like oh, we'll 100%, a,
2: a million percent, yeah.
0: With who is who and who's playing who at which point. So if we just maybe stick to, because their the, the names are short, John Travolta plays Sean Archer and Nicolas Cage plays Castor Troy, but at times you've got. Castor Troy playing Sean Archer and Sean Archer <laughs> playing Castor Troy, and yeah. we can all get a little bit confused. So I'm I'm personally just going to stick to the actors' names. But man, this film, like the opening sequence itself, is like kind of throws you right into kind of the motives behind almost everything. Why the 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 two leads act the way they do? And then straight away you go into this runway chase. And then you just that, that sets it up. Then you just know that this film's going to be
2: it's just insane. Doesn't stop, it just doesn't stop. It's almost like they just keep going, Yeah, no, just, just dial it up a little bit more. No, 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 actually, just give it, give me 50, give me 50 out of 10, please. And also, so, everyone do all the drugs in the world, everyone blow everything up in the world, and it, and it works. And that's the worst part of it. The worst part is that it works.
0: So, Luke, I want to go to you now, mate. What was your first take of this uh, masterpiece, if if you will?
1: Yeah, so my my take... Um, so I've seen this before, but when I was like... I think it came out in 97, and I was really young when I saw it. Like, I think I might have been like 10. So I think I watched it at a friend... If I remember rightly, I watched it at a friend's house. He had it on VHS, like or his family had it on VHS. The same person who I saw, Connor, at their house around the same time... Um. So, I have seen it, but I just didn't remember anything at all apart from the fact that at some point, like people have different faces. And Mm -hmm. I really think, like, knowing that as a synopsis and then going into it, you just, it's as mad as it's as you think it is. And I I was watching it this morning. So, this morning was the earliest I had time to watch it. And just everything that happened, you're just like, well, that's mental. Well, that's mental. Well, that's mental. And like, but in a really, like, not in like a, I think because it's called Face Off is quite helpful with the mentalness because it's like if you go into a film called Face Off thinking you're gonna get like like a a real a drama and like some serious acting, then you it's your own fault, isn't it? So watching it and my general second take is that I was same as Liam and I think maybe same as Connor. Like what just what a top laugh! Like this is amazing. You you said didn't you, Connor, and that's the best way that I could think of it. Like it's I imagine the more people you watch it with, the better it is. And like it's already good. So like like if we were together watching it, which hopefully Mm -hmm. one day we'll be able to be soon, Mm -hmm. we would just have the best time ever.
2: Oh my god, for sure. All I was thinking of last night, and this, you know, not to over contextualize it, but last night when I was in bed, was I really wished that you two were here. I really wish that we were all just all snugged up together, having a couple of beers and watching Face Off and having a laugh. And uh, yeah, I, it would have been. It's the perfect way to see that film because there's so many bits where I, even I was like, what? Like, what the, what the fuck? I've I saw this film a couple of times, but probably when I was quite young as well. And probably didn't really figure anything else out apart from the fact that they changed faces. Um, <laughs> so, we're actually, going back and seeing all the plot details and how they play out this time, it almost felt like a first take for me. Because I knew the opening scene, with well, the opening big you know action scene, not the opening moment. And I knew the final scene. Everything in between was just kind of like, like re-stepping all footprints or whatever the saying is. Like I felt like I was reliving stuff I already knew about. Well,
1: <laughs> on, on that, so I felt the same. And what I really like is, and I don't know whether like you, you would have thought this, as you're going through it and it's getting mad and mad and mad and it doesn't stop getting mad until it ends. But like, <laughs> Halfway through, obviously you're at a point, like it's fine where the plot like it's it's good, like it's this isn't a complaint. But you're you're about three quarters of the way through, and you're like, these people are still the wrong people. So this is gonna have to like you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. how are we gonna? I was thinking it's good, whatever happens is gonna be a twist because I have no idea where to go from here. Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. As well, they what surprised me is the the, the face uh swapping doesn't even happen till like 35 minutes into the film.
2: Uh, I oh I know. And you're Which... I kept, you keep thinking like <laughs> when are they gonna do the face swap? Is, yeah it,
0: is it metaphorical? Is it yeah. like <laughs> like I, I get to be to be fair, I think you spend that first 35 minutes uh kind of learning some kind of background into both characters so that when the face swap happens you kind of Understand how difference. they're feeling, and you know there is, yeah, there is that distinction between the two, which is good. I I was quite surprised um with the whole big bomb thing in the uh where is it a bank?
2: Is uh, it a I bank think, or I a think it's shop like center? the LA on a like like a stadium or something, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I, I was surprised that that was like resolved like halfway through, <laughs> like mm-hmm. a bomb that would have killed thousands of people. I thought this is gonna be the the this is gonna drag on. It's gonna be like a, a kind of two hour kind of Nick Cage as John Travolta trying to figure out where the bomb is and it's gonna be like down to the wire. But no, halfway through the film done. What <laughs> I was like, well, okay. What I really like about that is
1: and I agree like half of you are like you're looking at your watch being like, but it has only been on for about an hour and 15 minutes? Like, what, is this a short film? But I really like the fact that they fully commit to, like, oh, no, no, the main part of the film is the fact that these people have got different faces. Like, the bomb is just purely in there as filler. filler You know, the main thing is, how are they going to get their faces back, essentially?
0: You you know what I love about about that? We we will get onto the actual face (laughs) swapping in a minute properly. Mm -hmm. But what I love about it is when they're talking to uh, John Travolta uh, and they they're saying what before he has a procedure to turn into Nick Cage, and they're saying what they're going to do to him. They're like, oh yeah, we'll we'll trim some of that stomach off as well. Basically, yeah. what they're saying the love him. handles, get rid so, of the love handles. They basically covered all tracks. So they're like, yeah, we'll we're be- yeah, you're, you're having his face, but we're also going to make you skinny as well. It's just just so just so when you do look exactly like Nick Cage, <laughs> you know, we we can get away with it. But they don't mention anything about. <laughs> Nick Cage suddenly, when he gets John Travolta's face, is now like this. Yeah, same they just stick as it as...
2: on. It's like Lego. They just bring yeah. it back on. Well, it's that's us just before, before we start, because one of the things that I was literally looking around my room for a camera to react to or someone else to react to last night, was that when they walk in, or when John Travolta walks into that facility where they, the face-off happens, they're just like 3D printing an ear. And that's, yeah. that's, your, that's your way of it being like, oh, okay, these guys are legit. Okay, don't, no worry. they Yeah, they could They've got what a 3D like... printer. They know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But 3D printing in an era in
0: 1997 would have been yeah. like some, that, yeah. some yeah. top yeah. shit, wouldn't it, really? Yeah.
2: Um, you can do it in your flat now, if you have
0: one. Yeah, well, you could do, couldn't you? Um, right, let's actually get on to some, some, some proper talking points. Mm-hmm. And I will start with the face-off premise. Uh, it's obviously slightly implausible, you know let's not beat around the bush here it's fucking crazy um uh, mm. do we think it was convincing first of all uh luke do we think that premise is convincing the way that they do it in the film
1: it generally is realistic the least realistic thing that i thought was happening in the whole situation obviously the premise is mad but the size of john travolta's head compared to the size of <laughs> nick cage's head I was like, this is unrealistic. Everything else, the 3D here, yeah, everything else. I was like, yeah, it could happen maybe. And the <laughs> fact is, it's it's not it's not realistic. and that's absolutely, like, that's absolutely fine. In the same way that like, now nah, like diehard's not realistic either. The same you know what I mean? Like so so yeah, it has that unrealistic element that like loads of like late eighties, early, oh mid nineties. Uh, um, action films have like so it was just like i didn't i didn't expect it um, um so it's fine like it was yeah it wasn't realistic i don't really know what can i just you, jump Connor?
2: in on that because first of all you're 100 spot on not that i am the arbiter for truth or anything but when you look at all those movies like the 90s action movies like conair or uh, point break or face off they're all fucking nuts but they take themselves almost so seriously well they do they take themselves 90% seriously that you, you do just buy into it and you just go along with it. Yeah, even if, if it isn't like I couldn't see this happening now. I could see the Safety actually, I probably could see the Safety Brothers making face off too, which I I'd could. be super up for, but we'll hopefully get onto that later. Anyway, it's how it's just it's just how they do it. They just sell it so well and they play everything so straight that I think even even coming down to people that criticize people like Nick Cage and John Spotler, they deserve some credit for this because. They fully go for it, and it works, surprisingly, somehow. Under all those explosions and mountains of cocaine, it works. It's, it's one of the best films I've ever seen,
0: ever. Wow. I want the
2: poster for it now, to put up in um, my
0: flat. One of the most implausible things for me is what happens after John Travolta gets Nick Cage's face, and it's that only three people in the world know that it's happened, and then they send him into a fucking high-security prison, mm. like, where no one else knows what who he is who he really is he's got uh metal boots on with magnets on that keep him grounded oh, which is it's quite cool and then you've got the guy from um you know a lot of films who plays <laughs> that's such a shit explanation. you know <laughs> the guy i'm on about right that plays the, the dickhead prison guard yeah oh yeah
1: he's in fargo and something. Yeah, like yeah
0: yeah yeah oh he's in the trial of the chicago seven as well yeah um Oh, oh, he's also in Zodiac, yeah, Zodiac, <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 so yeah, all yeah. um But then I, I suppose you do have to suspend disbelief because these things are, are what push the plot along. You know, mm-hmm. if these things didn't happen, then there would be no story. Um, so I'd yeah, like, this... if I can just jump in on that, what, what I actually like,
1: re- what what you say really resonates with me, and and, and like not not like um, in the way that. It's not the mad stuff that's unrealistic. It's like the it's the what, plot. so how many people know and wait yeah. so yeah. like it's the stuff that like could happen. It's like, well, that's unrealistic. And it's like can happen, you're like, yeah, that's fine. The three fire. people
0: in the world that know about it get burnt alive. <laughs> it's like, oh right, okay, fine. Let's go. But then, but it is because it is so entertaining and they kind of do pull it off you do go kind of like, oh, okay, all right, I'll okay. go along. Not like, it's not like a rejection. Like, I wasn't sitting there rejecting what was happening. I was more kind of accepting that this is needed to push the plot along. So I was like, oh, ah, yeah. whatever. Fucking do whatever, <laughs> do whatever. Yeah. Do whatever you want to do, John Woo and Nick Cage and John Travolta. I'm I'm, I'm here for it.
2: Um, I think, can I just remember, like, I think yeah, a big part of that as well it also comes down to the actual procedure scene. Because... Because they once again they take it so seriously, but they do it quite well, and it's actually quite. It's probably one of the most rewatchable, enjoyable scenes in the film. Where I almost like I've I had I didn't have to watch it, but I might have watched it more than two times this week for the podcast. (laughs) And it was a scene I found going like that's actually a really cool piece of filmmaking how they do it and how the camera moves with it. Yeah, it all feels like you're you're almost like a fly in the wall watching this incredible procedure that would obviously redefine the fucking limits of of. Science no. and actually, well, it, it was, has been done. But yeah. it
0: was, um, it was nominated for an Oscar for the effects, wasn't it? And that, <laughs> this is this, this might be out there. I've probably made this comparison before to something a bit weird too. But what it reminded me of, you know, that kind of satisfaction from that scene that you get is similar to the satisfaction in Toy Story Two when uh the toy the toy fixer upper is fixing Woody. Yeah. I don't know why, right? that we get these weird satisfactions from these really strange moments in film. That's really, one of
1: them. Or really particular. Aren't we? Yeah. Like, so it seems that are really particular.
0: Yeah. And it's the kind of the accuracy, the perfection of like the, the laser cutting through someone's face. <laughs> Me saying this out loud sounds ridiculous, but it yeah. is a satisfying scene. It re- I don't know why, like, I don't know how, but it really is. What I, really like,
1: what I really like about that is, and I don't know, so I'm going to say this and I'm also going to caveat it with what I thought afterwards. Like they're doing all this high-tech stuff and then like, to so they've got lasers and they've got computers and they've got like 3D models and all this gear. And then just before he's we about to do the face thing with the laser, they get out like a Sharpie and just go like, yeah, we're just going to do it about here and then draw like around the outside of his face. And like, I was just like, yeah, that's unrealistic. But I also thought, how else would you do it? Like this is mad yeah. enough already. You've got to you've got to designate an area you've got to cut his
0: face off with. Yeah. Face <laughs> off. Um, I think one of the most interesting aspects of the film uh are when they both become each other, <laughs> or the other way around, when John Travolta becomes Nick Cage, when Nick Cage becomes John Travolta, um, how they have to deal with their new life. Um, so John Travolta is, is now effectively <laughs> Nick Cage. So he is the terrorist and now he's going home to his family and his daughter, which lets maybe steer away from the inappropriateness of some of those <laughs> scenes that he has with his daughter. Yeah, so it's a weird. bit, it is a Awful. bit odd. It
2: is, <laughs>
0: it is a bit odd. Um, mm. Very, it was very, very so very nineties to have uh, very unacceptable um incest? I don't know what the hell it was because it's not actually him, is it? that's mm-hmm. that's that's where they get away with it because it's not actually him, but it's his face, which is gross. Yes. Um and then you've got Nick Cage, John yeah, Nick Cage is John Travolta in prison. Oh my god, this is hard. It's in, in prison trying to escape. So he has to break bad. This 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 good cop who is a good person deep down now has to break bad and he kind of is slowly learning how to act like Nick Cage's character and slowly learning how to be this bad guy. And then later on when he breaks out of prison, he goes to see Nick Cage's cronies and (laughs) he gives him like some, some kind of pill dissolved in water and he just kind of loses his shit. And then it's like one thing after another, then his uh, Nick Cage's girlfriend comes and says, here's your son. I didn't know. I didn't even know. Yeah, yeah, he had a son, and then it's like he's lost his son in real life. So, well, as John Travolta, and now he's John Travolta as Nick Cage, being told that (laughs) Nick Cage as John Travolta has a son, and it's all it's all. You know
2: what? You're actually doing a pretty good job of this because we were talking about who was going to host. I was like, yeah, I can, I can do it if you want. And then Liam, you were like, nah, you know, I've got a lot of free time this week. If you've got some stuff on Connor, I'll host. And I was like, yeah, please take it off me. Because all this bit of like, and you've got John Travolta is Nick Cage. And it's so hard because it's so hard to explain, but when you're watching it, you kind of just buy into it. And the yeah. little moments that you were talking yeah. about there, where they do have to kind of live each other's lives or live the other one's lives maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, are like my favourite parts of the film. All the big action scenes are cool, but like the scene in the prison, which I, I we need to talk about, by the way, where, yeah, Caster Troy, yeah, yeah. Castor, Sean, yeah. as as Nick Cage, yeah. is 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 immersed with all these crooks and criminals who, let's be really probably put half of them away. And he starts this fight and he's like screaming and going mad. Trying, I'm Caster Troy and crying at the same time. <laughs> It's like the best, it just sums up the whole the mind awesome. fuckery of that it whole film. Really does. And every, there's going to be so many scenes where I'm going to be like, oh, that's my favorite bit. But I genuinely think that is for me because you kind of do get the seriousness of he's quite a conflicted character. And, you know, Nick Cage has just come off winning the Oscar for something, something Las Vegas whatever. And he went on this pretty mad run. And then I think after, you know, four or five years, they thought, oh, this guy's actually kind of nuts. Mm. But people just buying into it around this time and it kind of works. I think um
0: it, it it is interesting, isn't it? Do they take themselves is is it a film that takes itself seriously? And here's where I think not. There is there is this one line before the, the face-off procedure. I think it's where um where Sean Archer, as Sean Archer, John Travolta as John Travolta, is being told about the procedure and what they want him to do, and they explain it to him, and he just goes. I've got no idea what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, you and me both, none mm-hmm. of us do. And I think that was like kind of a little wink to the audience. Like, yeah, we know this is fucking crazy. It we know it's crazy. In general, it works
1: because it is. it is actually pretty self-aware. Like it doesn't, it goes beyond mad but just slightly enough to not be completely like ridiculous mm-hmm. but enough that it's obviously knows that it's, fucking insane and and it kind of like goes goes with that and goes with the flow and runs with the with, runs with the tide and god it's fucking good
0: fun man it's
1: mental it's so it entertaining
2: is.
0: i'd like to uh swiftly move on uh to the the final kind of half an hour of the film where kind of it kind of it gets it gets a bit heated it, it it picks up it's very full on it's very in your face it kind of it escalates, doesn't it? When when Nick uh, Nick Cage uh, as John Travolta breaks out of prison and uh, goes to see Nick Cage's cronies, and it kind of from there kicks on. There's gunfights. There's his girlfriend gets shot and killed, and then they go. Oh no, that's later on in the church. Then they go to a church. Can we talk about the church scene? That's so. What? It's like where can we have a a really intense weird crazy stupid showdown at a funeral yeah, let's, let, let's have a bit a <laughs> funeral in a church um where it's like nick cage is like kneeling down praying <laughs> what is he praying for who knows then john Travolta's there with his his wife at the funeral and it's like i uh, we know shit's going to go down yeah, we yeah, know totally, it's going to go down totally. Yeah, John Travolta's there at the funeral of the guy that he karate chops in the back of the neck and then somehow says <laughs> he had a heart attack, and we're all meant to believe it. It's like <laughs> what? What, what, what? What,
1: what's happened there is so science has developed to be to a point where people can have different bodies and different faces, but not developed enough to notice that a karate chop
0: to the neck <laughs> is not a heart attack. <laughs> Honestly. I was like, I was like, surely people picked up on that batshit crazy point. Okay, uh, right. So I just want to move on to some of the technical aspects of the film. I know we have spoke about the surgery scene uh, already, which was uh, probably maybe one of the defining factors in the film being nominated for an Oscar for for the effects. But John Woo, he is one of the masters of of directing action and the action scenes and sequences in this film are not only like large scale, which in, it, in it itself is kind of hard to direct and keep everything kind of together and tangible and looking kind of neat. Um, it's just a really difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it does keep it relatively, manages despite its you know craziness, does manage to keep it relatively grounded um, I just want to throw to you first, Connor. Um, Just tell me a little bit of um, your opinions on kind of John Woo's directing of this film, um, maybe in terms of kind of the action sequences in particular.
2: Well, as a stunt coordinator myself, I would like to go (laughs) on the record. Now, to be honest, I've not watched a lot of John Woo, but I have watched Hard Boiled, which there is almost like a, a scene that's almost identical to this in *Hard Boiled, which is, you know, the scene where the Somewhere Over the Rainbow plays in the little kid's ear clones and there's a gun a gunfight, a fucking shootout <laughs> or whatever, in this in this poor lady's apartment. And for some reason, the kid is in the middle of everything and doesn't get hit, which, oh, you know, fair play to him. But anyway. <laughs> um, which, fun fact for you, here's a little grease throwback. They couldn't get the proper licensing for *Somewhere Somewhere Over the Rainbow. The studio wouldn't pay for it, so John Woo put up his own money for it and got Olivia Newton-John to record it. And there's a little Reese Iron because him, her, and Travolta. Yeah, cool. And then they reimbursed him when the film made an absolute fucking ton of money at the nice. box office. Oh, that's her singing it. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I, I knew it wasn't Judy Garland because it sounded <laughs> strange, but oh, that's, that's interesting a rap, to be
2: honest. But yeah. anyway, the actual technical aspects really intrigued me because you kind of brush it off. Like it looks so over the top and kind of stupid and all spectacle, all substance, all style and no real kind of grit to it or no real meaning towards it. But the amount of like coordination and choreography that would have had to do, the amount of blocking he has to do as a director to know where all the actors move and then where to place the camera for the shots to actually mean something. And most of the time they do. It's not just superfluous. It's kind of, there is kind of like an undertone of, Nuance in the camera movement, su- surprisingly, it's kind of commendable. I'm not saying it should have been nominated for any cinematography awards or even him for best director, that's not that's nonsense. But like, you actually see these mad over the top things that you could only probably imagine, even if you could imagine it, they wouldn't look as good in your imagination as they do in face I think,
0: as well, what really kind of impressed me with a you know, so much of it with practical effect, you actually are seeing these planes and boats and <clears throat> kind of blown up or the, the plane being crashed into a building at the start of the film. I mean, what, what is really funny and what is really 90s about the some of the camera work with these action shots though is you kind of get like the crash, the crash happens and then you get five different angles of the crash after the crash and then like one of them halfway through is like a slow-mo of the crash yep. and it's like, Okay, we get it. There was a crash. <laughs> it, it, I don't know what the obsession was with that. Like it, it, it almost makes you feel like you're not watching it in in, in real time because you have the crash, and then it's like crash, 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 crash. <laughs> fucking replay,
2: goal replay, or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's,
1: yeah, that's my that's my point of view on the on the directing. And like, I don't like it works with the film because of just, like, what you know, 90s films to action films to be, like, really, like, over-the-top dramatic. And, like, the one comment that I had, I wrote about two lines of notes so nothing. One of them was, there is so many slow-mo scenes in this film, and, like, lots of, like, cameras panning around people, which I think is cool, and it's just, like, standard action movie director lore. But, like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: just... It's, like, almost got... In the way that, this is going to sound like a daft comparison, but in the way that like Shrek takes off like loads of different things from like action movies and fairy tales and stuff, it's almost like it's a spoof of action film. Yeah. And it's just kind yeah. of bobbed them all, all these different techniques into like two and a half hours of just like madness. And I, but I really liked, like, I don't did not enjoy it. I thought it was sick. Um, it was just like every moment that it happened, you were like, oh yeah, they're doing this thing again. Yeah.
2: And the majority of these things that we're saying that we love are ultimately flaws. Like they are kind of, whether they serve the narrative or serve the nuance of the story, if, if there is one in the first place, which I kind of think there is, is almost, it doesn't really matter. Everything is kind of like turned up to 11. Everything's done way too much. Everything's way over the top, but it's just so fun and so entertaining. And especially for, like for someone like me, who the amount of films that i watch that I enjoy are almost quite bleak. I don't know, like, you know, name the typical film dickhead stereotype and most of the films that are suggested with them are the ones I enjoy. This is one of, oh man, it was like such a refreshing movie mm. to actually sit down and enjoy and savour every moment of, it's like, you know what it is, I live across from a domino because is such a weird tangent, and I see the making the Peaks all the time, and I'm like, oh, that would be really nice, but I know, I feel like shit after it. That's a Michael Bay film, a John Woo film. is like a Dominoes that you never get sick of eating. The tenth slice is as good as the first slice. Like a, it's a like. Papa
1: jo- it's a Papa John's, isn't it?
2: Yeah, well, I've never had a Papa John's, but I might have to get one after that. They're really good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, will have to. If they're they listening, Mr. Papa, Mr. John. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> John. <laughs>
0: isn't it Papa John that's like a real creep, a, a bit of an Yeah. Odd
2: one? <laughs> as soon as I said that, I thought he's he's partly wrong, and I don't. Oh, to... was
0: it? Oh. Anyway, if you are listening, oh John, maybe just leave this alone. If you are (laughs) listening, Papa, right? I've got just a couple more questions. They they're they're quite big ones, in my opinion. I would like to know. um, First of all, do you think Nick Cage and John Travolta are underrated actors? Uh, Luke, I am going to throw that one to you first. You can pick. You can talk about both of them, or either, or it's up to you.
1: Um, I think I find that a really hard question to answer because it feels like they've almost gone on like a, not the same, but like a similar trajectory of kind of like, um, they like just, they starred in kind of, not necessarily claim but certainly like just serious like films, like just actual just films. Um, and then maybe went through a bit of an evolution in the 90s or maybe early noughties of like just, you know, daft action films. And now I feel like they're all, they're both in like just daft films. And I I find it really hard to be like, because for, you know, I think maybe we are, if we mix our two generations, slightly, just slightly too young to actually be able to answer that question. Like, as in, because, you know, when the hype, when they come in, when, when films come out that they're in and they're actually good, then there's a hype behind them. And I'm just kind of like, I don't know if I, what I know to be John Travolta and Nick Cage is the caricature of John Travolta mm-hmm. and Nick Cage or mm-hmm. whether what they are. So I'm going to kind of say they're probably good actors because they've been in like good things and maybe now they're just like, whatever. Um, so I, I I don't know the answer. Sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm going to pass it over to
2: Connor. It's hard because I I don't know. I don't think I've watched enough of their films to know to know, you know, how their careers progress, kind of like what Luke yeah. was saying. But the films I have watched, they aren't ever one dimensional performances. They never give a boring performance, even if it's kind of crap. There's always something, some weird kind of almost tangible element to the, their performance that you're like, I kind of admire the balls to the, the wall nature. Like, I've, I don't know if either of you guys have seen Mandy, the Nick Cage film, Mandy. No, but all That is yeah. talking mental. But it just works, and it's like one of the most like devious, horrible movies to watch. Like everyone talks about it, it's like this acid, acid trip movie, and it is. But his performance in that is so raw and so full of anger and fear and everything, like a carnal energy. Yeah, you can't be a bad actor and do that. A he bad actually actor does do that film.
0: the scene in that film where he sits on the toilet and drinks a liter a bottle of vodka. He actually did that, like he was doing that.
2: I know a couple of fellows that would do that, but they're good actors. <laughs> yeah, that's fair.
0: I think um, yeah, I I think it, it is a difficult question, isn't it? I think their careers have now gone on a really different path. Travolta doesn't really appear anymore, whereas Nick Cage still does. I think I believe uh I don't want to be wrong with this, but I do believe that Nick Cage has some form of financial difficulty/slash trouble so he ends. he has to he makes like three or four films a year maybe more um mm-hmm. and i think like two half of them tend to be like the straight to dvd types that are awful but then the other half tend to be like the color app space and mandy yes, which are really yeah, yeah. interesting um kind of like indie flicks that kind of push the boundaries a little bit and are interesting and his performances are intriguing and i think that's where he differs from travolta in that i think john travolta has maybe i don't know if it's for personal reasons or whatever that he's really dropped off the boil but even before then you know when was the last time he ever did a film that you'd heard of um you know pre 2000 like post 2005 i mean i can't oh, think damn. of one of the top <laughs> i one. was
2: gonna say from paris with love everyone seen from paris with love that <laughs> no, is actually. woeful but i got it for christmas <laughs> But as a DVD, and I must have watched it so many times. It was before the Netflix days, man. I watched
0: it. I think like Nick Cage still does have that relevancy, even with like, you know, he's been picked up by Netflix to host like this TV show about swear words, which is ridiculous. I don't know if you've seen it. It is so, so funny. He's just sitting there, you know, really kind of looking at the camera, taking himself very seriously, speaking about like the word fuck and the origin of fuck and it's the way he he kind of pronounces these words. it's it's really great um i think we'll move on to one of the final questions i don't know if you boys will have anything more to add but um this is a this is a big one because it's something that has been announced and it is the sequel to uh face off and it is a sequel it's not a reboot i think originally uh, they'd announced a reboot, but no, they, they've said this will be a direct sequel to Face Off, which then begs the question, do they get Nick Cage and John Travolta? However, I mean, they I, I believe they have to, um, even though Nick Cage's character is dead, but I believe that there is a way. His face mm-hmm. is still, you know, his face could still exist if they froze it. Who knows? Um, yeah, but what I want to know is um, who do you, who, who would you cast, you know, that, two fresh new faces to, oh. to swap faces.
2: If, Who would you ooh, cast? I like that. If it, was, oh, no. if it was playing the archetypal one guy versus another guy and they have to go up against each other and right, I didn't initially I, I saw this on Twitter so I can't take credit for it but after watching all of season two of Atlanta, it has to be Donald Glover and Lakeith Stanfield. If any of you seen the Teddy Perkins episode of Um, (laughs) which is like the most fucking ridiculous stupid kind of scary kind of um, haunting on edge episode of TV I've seen in a long time but it's played so straight and to be able to kind of take material like that and it's also Glover behind the the Teddy Perkins mask to be able to take the kind of the tone of that episode and extrapolate it over a film with the charisma that those two guys have and star power that those two guys have Although I will say like I think both of them are probably better actors than the two guys that' from, from the face Off original. but anyway, they'd be the two picks I'd, I'd want maybe not in the circumstance of the people who are making this film because it might just be a bit luckyy and horrible but mm. if it was if it was me if I had the big say in it it'd be those two guys
1: Cool. Luke uh, yeah I had a little think about this and um, I think it's such a good question because it's kind of like build your own ridiculous action movie so i've gone with so the style would change slightly of the film i'll explain the context in a sec oh i'd awesome. go for seth rogan and james franco and the reason is and the style of film would be a little bit more not outright comedy but a bit modern 21 jumps treaty so like a bit more of a comedy but with those guys, because obviously they've got quite a relationship and stuff. And with, with, with those two guys is like a bit bit dafter, but like, you know, in the way that Pineapple Express has like got actual action in it. Like it's obviously mm. a comedy, but it's got action in it. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be really cool. But I'd want the action like to be a big part of the film because it just is a big part of like
0: the first one, isn't it? Okay, get this. Okay. How about <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson no. and Danny DeVito.
2: Oh, <laughs> I was expecting Kevin Hart. Race off. I don't think that's a good idea. We shouldn't do that. Um, we ab- absolutely should not do that. Hollywood, if you're thinking about that, do not do that.
0: Oh, he's more thinking about the size difference, if anything. It's, uh, yeah. well, it would be absolutely here, hilarious.
2: Here's a little tangent about the people that were going to be cast in it. When this script was first auctioned off, it was going to be Arnie and Stallone. Wow! Could that have worked? Could you Why? imagine Stallone doing an impression of Arnie doing an impression of Stallone? What? <laughs> the amount and of if, slurs they would have had to sit in a toilet and neck a bottle of vodka to do that properly. Who do we think, um,
0: uh, female actor wise, could uh, would w- would be great? Oh, that's a good question.
1: Um, I'm
0: thinking more along the line
1: for me of like. I'd say I'm just thinking kind of a comedy element again because I just don't think in like 2021 you could probably get away with like that ruthless cheesiness like ridiculousness so maybe like like Kirsten Wiig and Melissa McCarthy and I don't like Melissa McCarthy very much I don't think she's great but like I, I don't know I just think they they would be cool in a film together like that
2: I have one I think Peter Nyong'o and Cynthia Arriva would be sick Cynthia Erivo was awesome in Widows as kind of this. Oh like, yeah, she's great. She was kind of like one of the most badass ones in that group that was initially badass to start off with, and and we've we oh man we've seen Lupita Nyong'o kill everything she's ever touched at this rate. She's incredible. So the more I think about that, it's between it's between Donald and the or. Cynthia and Lopez. Uh, in fact, give me Face Off two or maybe Face Off three after two comes out and bombs. Face Off three revives it with for me. All four right, of those.
0: for me, it it would have to be uh two women who like are known to be like good action stars. So it would have to be like I don't know, like Scarlett Johansson and Emily Blunt, or some you know a, a pairing that are really could go to town you know with these like gun um these kind of like gunfight scenes and what have you and kind maybe, of really like maybe michelle rodriguez she's actually yeah. she knows what yeah, she's, she's doing action. In every action yeah. Movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah she yeah she's really cool she's she's really cool um I don't know if you boys have any other business um, or anything else you'd like to add to the face-off discourse.
2: Yeah, I, there's so many scenes in this film that I'd love to just spend the whole podcast talking about because they are all normally mental. But I want to know, do you boys have a favourite scene, a favourite moment, even like a favourite line from this film? Because we, none of us have talked about the bit when they actually say the name of the fucking film, which is my favourite <laughs> thing in movies. I want yeah. to take his face... Oh, mate. Oh, my, honestly, I was, they said like nine times, and I'm like, why are you? Who has written this film?
1: <laughs> I was going to say that was going to be my bit because I just love I like it. And I think I don't know if anyone f- follows them here, but it's something like um, best movie lines or, or movie titles. like I don't know, whatever it is on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's, it's not real. Like, you just kind of put the title into dialogue from films. But I actually like, actually, like, love. In a cringy way when it comes up, and he just kind of just mm-hmm. say, you know he's about to say face off though that's the thing he's about to say face off, and I was just so excited to hear him say it because I was like yeah. it's perfect for this film. Mm-hmm. Um, but favorite scene that's quite difficult. I like um the scene at the beginning when he's um in the plane Nicholas Cage in the plane with the pilot and John Travolta. Obviously, he's in a helicopter, and he's just going to try and ram him off off the airway, <laughs> off the runway. Sorry, because um, that bit just you just settle into the film. You go, okay, yeah. so,
2: so this is the type of film. What's happening? Um, that's the opening. Fit. That's like the open. Well, no, first of all, the opening is ridiculous as well, which we haven't talked about, but who, who cares about that? But the the opening fucking plane chase thing is what you'd expect at the end of the movie. They yeah. actually crashed a plane in real life. I <laughs> filmed it from like 19 different. Oh man, I love it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that that's where that that must have been where Chris Nolan got his uh, idea from for Tenet, right? He was watching Face Off and thought,
2: told he's fraud. Gonna,
0: yeah, told he's a fraud." Yeah, he's a big fraud copying <laughs> no, Face it's, Off. It.
1: There's actually this is daft, and I'm, 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 I only remember it because I was thinking of it because I'm gonna watch it later. Um, there's lots of like talk about like chaos and. Um, and it remind Nick Cage's character reminds you a bit of like the Joker in that like he's just just you know he's not got really many um motives for things he just kind of cracks on and just goes mad and like he just does chaos for yeah the sake of chaos he's just um, evil. yeah and there's a, there's a few little weird crossovers um that remind me of of, of them and it's just funny like you said about Nolan um <laughs> there. so yeah but
0: mad film mad film. Um, Instead of giving you uh, my favourite scene, I'm going to give you um, an interesting, uh, thought-provoking question. Um, So they only have their faces swapped, right? And a little bit of tummy tuck. So um, the moment where John Travolta, uh, who is now Nick Cage, um, sleeps with his wife, uh, how does she not tell the...
2: I also thought
0: in, that. In, in penis. Like, genuinely, how does she not know her husband, who she's been with for like 20 odd years or more? How can she not tell the difference between his penis and Nick Cage's penis? It's interesting
2: that in a film, Either they're so exactly many, the same size. Or, a film, you know, there's so many plot contrivances, and, you know, just buy into it, just let it go. That's the bit that you focus on the most. That, and it's that also bit. interesting that as soon as you said, I have a thought provoking question, I thought, it's going to be the dick thing, isn't it? It's that, absolutely bit stuck out.
0: <laughs> that, that bit stuck
1: out to me, if you'll uh, pardon the pun. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you the bit that stuck out to me. And there is there is things where you're like, if you think about this too seriously, you'll just dislike it. But mm-hmm. the fact that, like, in the scene where he escapes prison, he jumps off the edge of the prison that he discovers is just basically like in the middle of the sea. And then you have, like, like I, I'm going to say, like, five reverse camera slow moves until he gets into the sea. And then... <laughs> Just two minutes later, he's just on land in the middle of LA and you don't get any explanation. Yeah. How? Has he swam? Probably not. Has he got a boat? Well, he's in a convict gear, so no one's going to give him a lift. How has he got there? And you know what? Doesn't matter. He just needed yeah. to be there. And he went, yeah. let's just put him there and forget. Yeah. Yeah. Spend all disbelief. And I'm, Man, I love I'm, up. It. I'm up for it.
2: Simple film filmmaking. Oh, what we need him to be... Just put him there. We need him to swap faces. <laughs> like, like, like The
1: Sims. Like The <laughs> Sims. <laughs> just pick like him up Like a cheat code. Up,
2: down, there. left, right. Up, down, left, right. <laughs> and he's there. He's there.
0: <laughs> See, and that's why Face Off is... Connor, the greatest film of all time, like you yep. said. Yep. Move aside... Move aside Titanic and... All the big boys, all the top grossers, all every all these massive films, all the critically acclaimed films. I mean, there will be blood. No, no, no. I want face, <laughs> off. face off. I want face off. I two, want to take off his face <laughs> <laughs> off. Oh. And I, I really appreciate the distributors uh, putting the uh, the forward slash in between face and off, just so we know uh, know what they meant by that. I
2: also that is actually they, they didn't want to do that. It was John Wu's decision to do that because they didn't want people to think it was going to be like a hockey film or something. <laughs> like <laughs> two teams enough. facing off. They thought, oh, oh we'll put a slash enough. in and then it'll be, you know, faces and stuff. Face
0: off. <laughs> yeah, I guess it does make you pause. <laughs> I suppose it does make you pause. Why yeah. couldn't you just put a full stop there? And st- I don't know. Very, <laughs> I don't know. I'd like to go to Popcorns. Um, yes. Luke, what? Uh, what would you like to give this film, Blood? Blood? <laughs> <laughs> i
2: am still fan TV up in the building.
1: Uh, I meant uh, to say bud. bud. Thanks, thanks, blood. Pass it to you. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with 83 popcorns. Like, it may be more in terms of pure, like, sheer enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Um, But, like, I've just brought it down because I'm doing that thing where, well, if 83, I'm pretty sure I probably didn't give Godfather Pop to 83. So I've got to kind of tame it a little bit. So yeah, but you know, honestly, like this is one of my new football manager films. Like
0: it's just an absolute barrel of laughs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I see. I'm gonna give it ninety popcorns just because I loved it that much. It was great. It was fun. Um, but yeah, I do. I do that. I do that as well, Luke. I I think what did I give Saving
2: Private Ryan last week?
0: <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was like eighty-one or something, and now I'm giving Face Off mm. ninety. But I think that that's the thing, that's the thing with you know personal like reviews and our, giving our popcorns and stuff. It is it's our personal preference, isn't it? And yeah. what entertains us on that you know given day and what mood we're in. And that Definitely. was that that was my mood. I needed that film yesterday. It was great fun. Ninety popcorns. Connor, what what about you, mate?
2: I was thinking. I always forget how we do this. Do we do it in terms of personal enjoyment or how good the film is? And I feel like that changes every week, like we talk yeah. about. Personal yeah. enjoyment, I'm giving it a solid 85. I, I, it was like, oh man, it was just like the most perfect film for the time I needed it to be, like you guys have touched upon, But also as a film, it's probably a, a 60. But the narrative is it gets 85. Yeah, so that yeah. Show and get
0: uh, yeah, I think, like, if you were to, you know, rate, uh, rate it solely on, you know, te- the technical aspects of, of this film, you know, now mm-hmm. it would be very low down. Because, yeah, as we've discussed, it hasn't aged well, really, has it? Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, quite high scores from us boys there for, for this pretty fun film. Um, next week, we have, in my opinion an even more fun film. This is arguably the best action film of all time. Um, we are doing Mad Max Fury Road. Can you believe it? Luke, this is your first take, mate. Um, are you excited? Yeah, really excited. I've
1: been told by numerous people that this is the film that I should be watching quite soon. Um, and I think... It just passed me by at the cinema. Somehow, like it, I wouldn't. I haven't avoided it. It's definitely something that I would have watched at the cinema, maybe not at home. Um,
0: but yeah, I'm. I'm excited. It's. It looks like a cool film. I'm. Um. I'm. I'm pretty convinced. Uh, actually, I'm certain that we were meant to do this, mm-hmm. and like we actually had watched the. Well, I, me and Connor had watched the film. I don't know if. Luke, you couldn't make it or something, and me and Connor yeah, were just going to do it.
2: It but... was me that actually cancelled that time. I had something on, I couldn't do it. But I remember, I remember that it was slated for us to do, it and it was going to be a big, big yeah, because
0: yeah. I remember I I went to h m v and bought the Blu-ray because I mm. wanted to have the physical copy of it because you know it's such a kind of even now already kind of an iconic film. Um, so that's going to be fun, right? Um, mm. I don't know if it's on any um. Streaming platforms services. I mean, I got the DVD, so I'm I'm grand. But um, it'd be nice if it was for yeah. uh, you boys and for the listeners at home. We can check that out. We'll tweet it out. Um, all uh, I have to say now is, well, first of all, before I say goodbye, it goes without saying. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at First Take Pod. Uh, like our posts. Give us five star uh, review on uh, on on all the on all the nice podcast platforms. That would be great to us. That would honestly mean the world. Um, another thing as well, we would really like, um, you know, some questions that we can read out on the podcast, and, and we'll we'll read your name out. We'll say that you've give us a lovely question to to um, to ask out. Just like at the start of the pod, where we where I asked a bit of a niche question about body swaps, you could be that <laughs> you could be that person asking that niche question. Um, so yeah, don't don't hesitate to to drop us a DM or you know comment on one of our posts with a question, that's absolutely fine. We're, we're more than here for it. We kind of, we, we, we would really like it. We'd enjoy that very much. Um, so that's, uh, that's it from us. Um, and that's all we've got time for today. It's been a blast. And uh, see you soon uh, next week for Mad Max Fury Road.